At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For almost a decade on Food 52, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now, on the Genius Recipe Tapes, we get to hear from the geniuses themselves. This week, we're trying something different. In the spirit of a very different year that could use some happy stories, we went and found some. So we'll be talking to freelance writer and soon-to-be cookbook author Eric Kim on his most ambitious meal and biggest disaster. And Ben Mims, cooking columnist at the LA Times, who will remind us not to overpromise and to lean on Bloody Marys. And we'll hear some of your most memorable Thanksgivings. Be sure to stick around for the last one, which has, as of this taping, already made me happy cry twice. But first, I wanted to tell you about my happiest Thanksgiving. I have this theory that the perfect Thanksgiving is sort of bunk. Because the best and most memorable Thanksgivings are exactly the opposite of that famous Norman Rockwell picture. Either because we decided it was time to try something completely different, or we had to make a celebration happen without access to all of the traditional trappings, or because something or everything just went so spectacularly wrong. And that was definitely true in 2005, the year that I convinced my family that we needed to make a turducken. I was working at my first job in economics, analyzing Carly's portfolios all day long, and from my cubicle, I thought about food all the time. I had somehow heard about turducken, the Cajun specialty of Paul Prudhomme that, just in case you're not familiar with it, involves stuffing a chicken inside of a duck inside of a turkey and roasting it all together. Much later, by the way, I realized that the reason I had probably heard about it in the first place was probably thanks to my future boss at Food52, Amanda Hesser, who had written about it for the New York Times a few years earlier. So anyway, my parents were amused by how passionate I felt about this, and they agreed. But then we all realized what was involved. Hours of clumsily deboning all three birds, chopping quarts and quarts of onions and bell peppers and celery to cook into three different stuffings, then flopping them all on top of each other and stitching them back together to sort of resemble a turkey again, but just kind of lumpier. I used one of my five precious vacation days for the year to go home early and help my dad get ready. We cooked for two straight days, and then after he got up at 4.30 in the morning to start at slow roasting for eight hours, we finally got to carve it. And it was terrible. <laughs> All of that labor and butchery and TLC that we had put into this thing were left with an enormous steamy lump of poultry and stuffings that all tasted weirdly the same, which we would be eating for days. But the taste did not matter because we had already had our best Thanksgiving ever. We were drinking wine and dancing and wrestling those birds and nobody was blaming anyone for burning grandmother's stuffing recipe or throwing out the potato cooking water again. And best of all, we have a story that we have been telling our friends and referencing in family emails ever since. And unlike all of the perfect Thanksgivings that we've had, we actually remember it. 
Next up, I talked to our friend Eric Kim, a freelance writer who's currently working on a Korean-American cookbook with his mom in Atlanta about his most memorable Thanksgivings, the good, the bad, and the very, very pretty. Hi, Eric. Hi, Kristen. So I wanted to talk to you about Thanksgivings. First of all, I would love to hear what does your typical Thanksgiving look like? You know, I I don't think I have a typical Thanksgiving. It changes so much every year depending on my my mood or where the family is. You know, last year I spent it with a couple food media friends. <laughs> I, I, they're, they're like my real friends. I shouldn't call them food media <laughs> friends, but I had a huge fight with my, my boyfriend at the time. And, you know, he and I are both kind of the, you know, we're used to taking charge of the Thanksgiving and, and cooking all of it and not really kind of having to answer to anyone else. And so he suggested that maybe Thanksgiving is the one day that we shouldn't be celebrating together because we're both so intense about it. And and that upset me. And then we got into a fight and then eventually we broke up. But <laughs> because of that, um, I did have a lovely Thanksgiving with, with my friends. And um, I think, I think it's like, that's always been sort of my um, my kind of dilemma when it comes to Thanksgiving is how uh, how much control do I get to have because I usually want all of it. But <laughs> well, just to take a quick step back, when you were growing up, did you have sort of a typical Thanksgiving? Did you do the same thing every year, or what, even then was it kind of dependent on circumstances and what family you had around? Um, it was definitely more stable back then. And we had more routine, but it evolved over the years. Like yeah. uh, when my parents first came to the United States, no one was cooking this kind of food, so they didn't know how to do it. But there was an older aunt who lived um, in South Georgia, and she she hosted these big dinners, and that's where we had green bean casserole for the first time. And we would drive down there for for the holiday. But eventually, once the kids got old enough, kind of like when we turned, I don't know, eight or nine, <laughs> that's when we sort of kind of took it under our own wings and we we wanted to um we wanted to cook the dinner that we were watching on Food Network so mm. all the kids it became a tradition of all the kids cooking the american food and the parents sitting sitting back and watching and that was always just so fun we just you know all the kids cooking together um from the night before to the day of and it's like that marathon of just trying to get the food on the table was always very fun for me we kept perfecting these like really old recipes that we've been using and so there was a, after that, I remember just talking to the cousins and being like, can we just, can we just try something else this year? So we did um, like small plates and like a seven course kind of fun little meal for, for the family. And that was, that was more, that was enjoyable because it was just a new, a new way of doing it. So how did that seven course meal work? How did you plan it? How did you cook it? How did you serve it? Yeah. Um, I'm also embarrassed to talk about it because it's so, it's not, it sounds so fussy. And it was, you know, back when I was, I guess, find my voice in the kitchen. And at the time I thought a seven course Thanksgiving dinner was like so fancy. And, um, but I, I remember certain courses cause they're kind of my dinner party. They were my dinner party go-tos in those years. But I think I started with like a salad composé, just a composed salad of roasted, you know, fall vegetables. It had a wasabi lime vinaigrette that I learned from Nigella and some arugula. I don't know. I remember plating it with my cousin, or I think I assigned my cousin to plate it. And it, when I say it's finicky, it was, it's like kind of dumb. It's like, it's arbitrary, but you know, an apple goes here and oh, wow. because that part is red, this, <laughs> this part of the plate needs some green. And uh, it's just like, you know, just 
you know, kind of using the space of the white plate to um, create like a like a nice flat single layer picture. I'm revealing a, a part about myself that's very anal. Um, yeah, so so it's uh, it, she was she was doing it and um, she was doing it wrong. So I. <laughs> I, I told her that she was doing it wrong, and I took over. Um, I know I'm a monster on Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's something I'm still I'm still dealing with. Maybe my cousins are reeling from like the trauma of having to cook under me on Thanksgiving. But I I think it was fun. I think everyone, you know, it's the the hard work at the end is always worth it when you're sitting down with the family and everyone's just really appreciating like the little things. Like when we can come home for it is always really special because it's our time as the children of immigrants to, you know, go off into the world. You know, anyone who goes off and sort of cooks for their, themselves in, in their own homes, in their own kitchens without parents, um, that's when you sort of um, learn the most, I think. And that's when you bring back some tricks. I love that it continues to be this reflection of the way that you were cooking for the adults, even as a kid. Maybe when you were a kid, you know, your parents were seeing you all the time and they didn't need to have the gaps filled in about what your life was and what you were learning. But now that you've gotten into this habit of bringing them back things that you've learned and that you're excited to show them, that must be so exciting for them to just get to know more about your life yeah. in a way that they wouldn't. Yeah, I think it's definitely a nice... Um kind of like how's your how's your day or like <laughs> it's more like how's your how's your year and how's, then yeah how's your life to, how's your life yeah can you tell me about your most memorable thanksgiving disaster <laughs> right yeah um i only thought of this recently because i had blacked it out i think because it was so traumatic <laughs> but um yeah in college it was my last year of college i it was a gas oven and i guess i just i hadn't grown up with many gas you know ovens ours are always electric um but um <laughs> i didn't know that you couldn't lay foil on the bottom of the of a gas oven and if you didn't know that you can't by the way um because it can <laughs> catch on fire and so my my turkey was roasting and the foil caught on fire um which is ironic because i was trying to get it was dripping in its crappy aluminum pan because i didn't have real you know houseware um but yeah, that lit on fire. Um, <laughs> I don't try to. I try to think about how detailed I need to go for this. Um, <laughs> it was such very vivid. It already. was. So, it is vivid. You know, there's a fire in your house, and you're you're, you're already feeling very like panicked. Um, we put the fire out, of course, but there's a lot of smoke now. So I stupidly opened the front door because the kitchen was right next to the front door, the way the apartment was. Um, and that went into the very tiny hallway with the fire alarm and what you what I should have done was open the window only and let even though it would have taken longer like try to make the smoke go out that way um or I should have like stampered anyway I learned a lot after this but because a little smoke went to the main hallway that triggered the entire building so this like 10 floor dorm um everyone had to evacuate it was like 7 p.m on Thursday um and I just I just remember feeling so embarrassed because it's it's like a disaster and all these people like hundreds of kids are evacuating and they don't quite know it's you yet but they're gonna find out and you're gonna be totally unpopular you anyway, know just kidding not that college you ever think about that in college but yeah i <laughs> <Or> never <laughs> or never yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> i was um yeah it was bad though because i was as i was walking down the stairs you know and we were uh, it was my brother and his girlfriend at the time and just the three of us. And as we were walking down the stairs, I remember seeing 
you know. I just remember one specific girl. I don't really remember anyone else, but that one girl, she um, she had um, like this. She had on a really nice black dress with like high heels. Mm-hmm. I she was also carrying a tray of turkey. She, she was crank, like carrying the entire bird down the stairs in her high heels. I just remember <laughs> being like, oh my god, like she dressed up for this. Um, I ruined her night. I ruined so many people's night, and it, it was hours later that we were allowed to like even go back into the building mm-hmm. and so everyone's like out in the cold holding their turkeys um luckily my brother had an apartment so we 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 took the not burnt turkey actually um though we really didn't want to eat it anymore after that um <laughs> we 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 lugged it to brooklyn and finished the dinner there but meanwhile i ruined everyone else's night and i felt so bad i remember just like that was like, I remember feeling so much stress in my tiny body at the time. I was just like, what is this feeling? <laughs> so bad. And guilt. Mostly racked with guilt. It's like, I think maybe that's why I became like a monster for Thanksgiving every year. I just like, I, I'm like, I wanted to be perfect for everyone because I ruined that one for so many hundreds of kids. Oh. <laughs> were there actually any repercussions? Like, did people find out it was you? No, there are no repercussions. It's such an anonymous school that I went to. <laughs> but yeah, it was... Uh, no, I don't know. I just know that we got a new stove after that. They have to give you a new stove. Did you know that? If your equipment actually catches fire, it <laughs> you get a new one. Yeah, yeah. So we got a fancy new stove after that. But <laughs> I just feel like the Thanksgivings that went the worst for me are the ones that I remember. Um, and they, they kind of bring people together in a weird way, even if in the moment you're like a little panicked or um, you feel sad that you don't have your per- perfect turkey that never caught fire. Yeah, that's so true, actually. I don't remember any of the perfect ones. I just remember that the food was perfect, and I don't remember anything else about those mm-hmm. nights. But I do remember, like, individual Thanksgivings where a particular dish was, like, really bad. Or <laughs> Well, and I think that your uh, seven-course meal and the other things that you've done to push boundaries are helping both you and your family remember that much more. Yeah, that's nice. you'll you'll do it again this year oh yeah this year we will definitely remember um yeah it's gonna be a big one (laughs) this is the genius recipe tapes we'll be right back you reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans but in the kitchen how well do you care for your greatest tool your hands when mine take a beating cooking and cleaning which is often i use bag bomb to work its wonders on my poor distressed skin created 125 years ago on a vermont dairy farm their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture and their fast absorbing lotion means i can quickly get back to cooking treat your hard-working hands to bag bomb every chef's best friend use code food 52 for 20 percent off your order on bagbomb.com good through 2024 You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hard-working hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. Next up, Ben Mims cooking columnist at the LA Times and the creator of a 2020 Thanksgiving menu so genius that it took over the entire food section. Hi, Ben. Hi, Kristen. (laughs) I would love to really hear about your most memorable Thanksgivings, but first, could you just kind of set the scene of what your typical Thanksgiving looked like growing up? Oh, absolutely. Um, So my Thanksgivings growing up were 
you know, your pretty typical uh, Thanksgivings that you see in like Home Alone or, you know, any kind of like 80s movies where it would always start with, oddly enough, everyone would kind of arrive in the morning and we would eat uh, deviled eggs and pimento cheese stuffed in celery sticks as appetizers. Um, yeah. And we would all drink those with Bloody Marys, no matter if you were a child or an adult. Um, <laughs> really? And then after a few hours, around two o'clock, we'd all sit down to the big meal. Um, and then, you know, everyone would take naps wake up around like five or six, have dessert, and then just lay around for the rest of the day. So it was pretty, it was pretty great. Wow. Okay. Okay. First question is, did the kids Bloody Marys have alcohol in them? You know, I, I don't remember <laughs> if they didn't, because I remember drinking them and I was definitely in high school and like, they definitely did. So I don't remember <laughs> if I was ever given a virgin one. I think it was just like, once you are at least in high school, you can have like one for the holidays. It was like oh. a special thing. Do not tell anyone because my parents will probably get arrested. But yeah, <laughs> it was delicious. <laughs> At least it was once you were in high school. I was kind of picturing like eight-year-old Ben walking around. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have no memory of those years. So I don't think so. I think my earliest one is teenager with a regular Bloody Mary. So I think we're all good. <laughs> so since then... Have you ended up cooking a lot of the Thanksgivings? Oh, yes. So I like to be able to <laughs> control the entire menu. If, if I have friends over, they, I'm like, you know, bring wine or something to drink, maybe a pan of yeast rolls, but everything else I'm going to do myself, um, which is, you know, it's fun on certain some levels. Um, but I have in the past years kind of loosened the reins a little bit and have kind of really enjoyed um, like a potluck style Thanksgiving. So it's, it's a lot less pressure and... Uh, you get to try, you get to make the one thing you really want to eat and then you get just to eat someone else's food, which always tastes better than anything you make yourself. <laughs> I remember one year I was in charge of taking the cranberry sauce out of the can and I just, you know, plopped it, all suction and everything onto the plate, standing up, <laughs> brought it to the table. And my mother was horrified. She's like, are you kidding me? She's like, at least go slice it. So I think, you know, it's just one of those very alien things that, you know, even though, even though it is a can, you slice it and it looks... It looks weird, but also it is delicious and it's just very simple. It's I think I think people really they like to make a fuss about holiday um, dinners and dishes. But when it comes to things like that, where they just realize they don't have to put any effort at all and just like open the can. I think they find a lot of um, a lot of joy in that as well. It's very relaxing. Yeah. And there's something, too, about the fact that it holds that shape of the can and the ridges on the side and everything. <laughs> and the, the fact that. We just don't see a lot of foods like that every day. That's right. I mean, yeah. Well, especially now, like no one, I would say no one, no one, uh, you know, in our world, uh, in the New York, uh, California food worlds that we've been working in, no one really eats that way because we are, you know, our job is to always, you know, make new and homemade versions of everything. So um, it is a kind of an odd thing to come back to a canned food that literally has the shape imprinted on it, you know? Yeah, but then have you seen the um, the people who, even if they make the homemade stuff, stuff it into a can just so that it has the same oh, no. nostalgic <laughs> shape? Honestly, that's kind of brilliant. So I might try that myself this year or next year, at least. maybe next year. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, the cranberry sauce was always one of my favorite parts and the meal truly doesn't feel complete without it. So even mm -hmm. when I started making... Um, Canal House's cranberry port gelée, which sounds so fancy, mm. but it's basically exactly the same stuff that's in the can. It just has a couple other flavors in it. Because um, mm -hmm. the stuff in the can is just cranberry sugar and water, like cooked yep. down and 
and you know the skin strained out but um the so you can do that at home and the canal house version um just has some port it has some juniper berries and some black pepper um mm. and it's really good but i honestly feel like i like it so much because it so closely resembles the canned stuff like the the texture is exactly the same yeah absolutely i think you need that's why i've always um never really enjoyed the kind of chunky relishes um i kind of i prefer the kind of smooth um jelly things and um you know this year one of the things i actually made was uh like a cranberry membrillo type paste that mm -hmm. doesn't really set as firm as you know a quince membrillo but it's kind of like spoon and soft because i kind of prefer that really smooth um soft texture versus all the chunky cranberry although i knew i know a lot of people do like that but um yeah, i think i think you're right i think there's something there in having you know newer flavors and kind of fresher flavors but in a form that is nostalgic like we remember can you tell me a little bit more about the package that you put together for the la times including the cranberry membrio paste it was fun in a lot of ways and it was very taxing in others i think it took about six weeks i would say total of testing um some dishes you know i made it a couple times and it was perfect i was like this is great and then we just cross tested it others it took about you know upwards of like 15 times to make sure to get it right because i knew you know of all the dishes that you know we put out in a year people are going to make the thanksgiving one so i really wanted to make sure those worked for everyone um but the kind of strategy behind it was you know i i toyed around with doing a smaller thanksgiving and you know in a lot of ways I kind of uh, wish I had because some people have been writing about doing small Thanksgivings, but I kind of wanted also to take the opportunity to kind of lean into how unpredictable the year has been. And I've always been one of those people that um, I would do a, a completely new Thanksgiving menu every year if I could. I don't particularly love to keep things coming back and have these like um, traditions. And you know, I know that sounds very anarchist of me, but I'm not. Um, it's just, uh, I like to try new things. Well, Ben, I would also love to hear about maybe Thanksgivings that didn't go according to plan. Um, are, are there any memorable Thanksgiving disasters that come to mind? Yeah, I would say I've not had uh, too many outright disasters. I think the, the biggest kind of uh, fail for me was just over-promising a really crispy skin on a turkey and not being able to deliver that um, because, you know, even, even if you do attain it, it's really hard to keep it that way. Um, I remember several years ago when we were living in San Francisco, I actually, there was a video that my partner took of me taking the turkey out of the oven and then cutting into it with a knife and it kind of had this great crackling shatter on the part where I cut, but you know, 20 minutes later, uh, as we were starting to eat, everything had gone, had gone kind of slack. So I, you know, the crispy skin doesn't stick around for too long. So I think, you know, the best, the best thing when cooking in general, but definitely with the holidays is to not overpromise too many things because then people will be will be let down and you don't want that to happen mm -hmm. how how to avoid that then like do you kind of set up expectations of like we'll we'll see how this goes or yeah. like <laughs> what <laughs> i mean that's what i do a lot yeah <laughs> but what would you do i love that tactic it's just like show up for whatever whatever happens um i usually actually never tell anyone what the menu will be unless you know the dessert or the drinks that they're bringing really depend on it because I like for people to be surprised. And also there have been dinner parties past um, and holiday meals where maybe something didn't go right. And I remember, you know, either throwing something completely in the trash and just acting like it never was made or, um, you know, taking a, a cake that didn't uh, cook through in the middle or had some kind of awful disaster and just cutting it up and making a trifle and just saying, here's dessert. So no, so no one ever, 
expects, you know, one thing and then gets another. So you can always hide behind that. But I like your tactic too, where it's just show up and eat what I give you no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what would be your most memorable, happy Thanksgiving story, successful Thanksgiving story? Um, Actually, a couple of years ago when I went to my friend Faraday's house uh, in Maryland and we had Thanksgiving with our family, it was wonderful because I just showed up. Um, I think I maybe brought a bottle of wine, but that was really it. And so we just got to eat what everyone else had cooked. And they ended up making a huge turkey and um, putting the stuffing inside of it. And which is one of those things that growing up, we never did. I don't think just because of the whole, like, people are scared, they won't cook through or overcook the bird thing. It was more just putting a a stuffing, you know, as dressing on the side was easier. But uh, with her Thanksgiving... They put the stuffing inside, and even though the turkey cooked for a million, you know, hours, uh, you know, they would take it out and baste it with butter every few minutes. And when they took it out of the oven, the I have never seen a more perfect, like golden-looking turkey. And the stuffing that was inside of it was the tastiest stuffing, and one of like the top five dishes I would say ever. That just was so wonderful. Um, and they scooped it out, and like even though it was kind of like you know, wet and soggy. It was oddly crispy in certain parts and just had like the best flavor to it. And so that moment on, I kind of realized it's like, you know what? It doesn't really matter if you overcook the turkey to get the stuffing uh, done right because, you know, A, the turkey always will be overcooked no matter what. Even if you try to do it with no stuffing, if you try to just like just get it perfectly, you know, at least the breast will always be overcooked. And so I I was like, you know, it's actually worth it to just overcook the turkey to get that great of a stuffing. And so that was really one of one of the best, just not having to cook anything and just getting or having a real like revelatory moment about how wonderful stuffing inside turkey can really be. Plus that's what gravy is for. Exactly. <laughs> Turkey's always gonna be dry. Anything else is dry. You just pour gravy over it and it's gonna be great. And what will your Thanksgiving look like this year? Well, I think because it's funny because we've actually already had our Thanksgiving. Um, you know, and and for recipe developers, uh, Thanksgiving is like beginning of October or in some for some people, it's July. Uh, so, you know, during all the testing, my partner and I sat down to at least three meals of all the dishes together. So we've had our kind of fix of all those flavors together. Um, so I think this year, the day before, actually, I'm, you know, supporting a local restaurant of mine who's kind of doing their takeout versions of everything. So I've ordered all the sides from them. So we're going to have all their sides the day before, which kind of uh, scratch that itch for those kind of flavors. And then I think the actual day, um, we have a friend in our neighborhood who has a big porch. And so we are going to go sit on her porch while she stays inside. And we're going to talk through a screen door and she's going to make some food. And, uh, some of it will be traditional. Some of it won't be. I'm making dessert. I know that. So I do have to cook one thing. (laughs) Uh, but other than that, it'll be, um, I kind of like new mix of everything, which I'm kind of, uh, delighted by, honestly. What will you bring for dessert? So right now I'm actually toying with what can I make for sweet potatoes? And I think I found I found a recipe in uh, one of Edna Lewis's books, uh, The In Pursuit of Flavor, I believe it is, where she takes sweet potatoes, boils them until they're tender, whole, and then cuts them into really thick slabs and then kind of bakes them in this sugar syrup that just has a little bit of nutmeg, but a lot of lemon. It's like a whole juice, a uh, whole lemon's worth of juice and all the zest. And then you just bake that till it gets kind of reduced. Um, so honestly, I think I might just make that, which I think is supposed to be a side dish, but I'll just bring some ice cream and uh, maybe I'll make some kind of little crumble topping and put on top of that just to have something that's 
traditional-ish, but you know, lighter and a little different than what we're used to. Finally, to round us out, stories from you, our listeners. And let me just say, the stories that you sent in were so wonderful, and they made me laugh, and they made me cry. Thank you so much for doing that. I also want to be mindful and say that just because things are different doesn't always mean they're better, of course. For a lot of people out there, this year's been very hard, and Thanksgiving is going to continue to be very hard. But I was encouraged, and I hope that you will be too, by all of the ways that you all have leaned into the not-perfect Thanksgivings, both good and bad, and came away with something memorable. This is Sarah Copeland, author of Every Day is Saturday and Instant Family Meals. The first time I hosted Thanksgiving in my house in upstate New York, my husband, my daughter, and I, my daughter Greta was about two years old, and my nieces were visiting from Chicago, and they were, you know, eight or nine or ten years old, and we were so excited to make everything from scratch and really just experience this beautiful meal in our home. It was one of the first times I ever hosted a holiday. So we went on a really big hike that morning. We had a beautiful hike in one of our favorites. And then we came back and we set to work making our pumpkin pie filling from scratch from a freshly roasted pumpkin and making our crust from scratch and chilling it. And we had so much fun. And I have all these memories of the girls rolling the pie dough and passing it around the countertop and my little daughter's voice saying, my turn, your turn. So we made this beautiful pie. It was so gorgeous. And I was pretty amazed that we could make something so beautiful with the three little girls helping. And then we sat down to the beautiful meal to eat it. And we took a bite of the pumpkin pie right when it was dessert time. And everyone took a bite and was sort of looking around the room at each other. And then my nieces took another bite. And at the same time, we all just paused and burst out laughing because we had forgotten the sugar. (laughs) We had completely forgotten the sugar in the pumpkin pie filling. So it was a very savory, creamy, spot on perfect, but savory and not at all sweet pumpkin pie. So we laugh about that still to this day, and it's such a great memory, but I use canned pumpkin now, so there's not too much going on, and I don't forget to add the sugar. This is Melissa Dane from Brooklyn, New York. My most memorable Thanksgiving is 2012's. Just weeks earlier, my friend Jill's parents' house had been ravaged by Hurricane Sandy, so the whole family had gathered for the holiday in Jill's small Brooklyn apartment. Her mom had taken over her kitchen and the neighbors, and things were abuzz as everyone labored over their dishes. I walked into the kitchen to find Jill's mom crying over burnt yams. Taking her hand, I led her next door and opened the oven door, revealing a pile of green beans that sat at the bottom beneath a shattered Pyrex dish. Later, Jill found us sitting on the floor, laughing and drinking wine. Wishing you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Hi, I'm Mio Quinn, a New Yorker now living in Charlottesville, Virginia. Six Thanksgivings ago, I was one week overdue with our second child and in the kitchen cooking Thanksgiving dinner. I remember having to set the roaster towards the front of the oven rack and then use the oven door to push it all the way in because I couldn't lean down far enough. I could barely reach the top of the cutting board over in my enormous belly, but I was running so high on energy. 
maybe I was nesting. That year, I cooked only the things I wanted to eat for Thanksgiving. A chicken simply roasted with olive oil, salt, and pepper, the broccoli cheddar and wild rice casserole from Smitten Kitchen, roasted curry potatoes, cream cornbread, pumpkin bread with a maple drizzle, and pecan pie. We had plenty of carbs. At some point, I realized I needed cornmeal, so I bundled up our two-year-old son and we walked 10 blocks to the grocery store. Between my waddle and his teeny tiny legs, it was a long trip. We got the cornmeal and of course, a bag of King's Hawaiian rolls. About five hours after putting our serving platters away, our son Oliver was born. He is a joyful kid that loves ramen, udon, bagels, baguettes, and pasta in every shape. I think that one Thanksgiving meal has a lot to do with it. That's it for our Thanksgiving variety hour. I hope that whatever your Thanksgivings look like this year, that you find some moments of joy and relief and maybe find someone to tell about your most memorable Thanksgivings. Our show was put together by Coral Lee, Emily Hanhan, and me, Kristen McGlory. If you like the Genius Recipe Tapes, be sure to rate and review us. It really helps. See you next time.